0: Did you ever hear of... Kong? Why, yes. Some native superstition, isn't it? A god or a spirit or something. Well, anyway, neither beast nor man. Something monstrous, all-powerful, still living, still holding that island in a grip of deadly fear. Well, every legend has a basis of truth. Welcome to Now Playing's King Kong Retrospective Series.
1: I'm offering you adventure, fame,
2: the thrill of a lifetime, and a long sea voyage. Well, I don't see how you can be amused
0: by gorillas.
3: I think they're dull.
0: Well, this one's 60 feet tall. What do you think of him? 60 feet! That's right. This is Kong, the strongest living creature on Earth. Hosted by Stuart.
1: I I was just afraid that you might be one of those self-obsessed literary types. The Tweety twirp with his nose in his book.
0: Jacob. I'm on the level. No funny business. Trust me and keep a chin up. And Arnie. Here we are. Just one big happy family. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Are you sure about this?
3: Our primates, too
0: listener discretion is advised it's time to show kong that man is king we hope you enjoy the show lights cameras kong
2: today we're discussing son of kong starring robert armstrong helen mack frank Riker, john Martson, victor wong edward brady Directed by Ernest B. Schoedsack, The King is dead, but everybody's interested in me, Arnie, co-host of Now
1: Playing, and Stuart. This is Jacob, and you ready to podcast, you blasted bourgeois? It's a nice day for it. <laughs> <laughs> I am feeling kind of bougie, yeah.
3: Well, and so was RKO Pictures, after the whopping success, as I've already pointed out, $5 million after the initial run for King Kong. It could play for decades. A cash cow, an evergreen. We've made it, boys. So
2: why rush a sequel eight months later? I had no idea until we hit record that it was eight months. For some reason, I was thinking, like, Son of the Fly, how... Years passed, and they had less money, and they decided to go back to the well. They did this eight months later? Were they filming simultaneously? Are they Peter jackson it? Yeah, I mean,
3: talk about stepping on your own dick. Like, this thing's <laughs> a hit. I want this to be the biggest movie of the year. How <laughs> much are you setting Son of Kong up for failure by making him have to compete in the same year that King Kong came out?
2: Hey, Donkey Kong Jr. was still in arcades when I played Donkey Kong. <laughs> and I always loved Donkey Kong Jr. more, so maybe it's going to go that
3: way. Just because you're the son and you're not anything like your father, maybe you have your own thing to offer. But the odds were definitely stacked against our poor gorilla this week. Lots of things had changed. David O. Selznick, the man that greenlit King Kong, had left. He went to go work for MGM, where he made a, really his reputation. And they asked Marion Cooper to step in. He ran the studio from this point, And he had a flurry of gigs. 40 movies he greenlit in that week, saying we're going to just put out everything from Little Women and Thrillers. In a week? <laughs> Well, you know, it felt like that, but here's the thing. You gotta remember the studio system in the silent era, you could have a hundred different movies shooting on the same sound stage, because no sound equipment, nobody's talking. And so you could knock out a volume of movie that talkies can't quite do. It requires more work and more setup, more quiet in order to get a talkie. So it was a very ambitious slate. And yes, of course, he wanted to make another King Kong. You always make a sequel to your biggest hit. He said, quote, it will be produced on the same elaborate scale that attended to the making of King Kong.
1: Lies! (laughs) (laughs)
3: Let's just take a moment and laugh, shall
1: we? Uh, No, that is not true.
3: I don't think he was lying. (laughs) I think he really wanted to do it that way. But it was not his choice, even though he was running the studio.
1: This was before they would take like spec scripts and force them into a franchise, right? Like we've talked about that with Die Hard, the third one. Like I thought that was the case because I noticed this was 1933. I'm like, oh, they had another jungle picture and they're going to throw a animated ape into it to call it a Kong film. But no, like they got the actor who played Denim to come back. So like was this whole story developed as a Kong sequel? I do believe that Cooper would have had
3: his way. and We would have had a more spectacular sequel, but there's a maxim in making movies. You can either make it faster, cheaper or good, but you can't do all three. And the board of RKO pictures demanded a Kong movie for Christmas
1: that year. Fast and cheap. <laughs> so not good. <laughs>
3: 1933. So you can either throw a lot of money at it and get all the best people. But here's the other thing they said. Um, we're going to give you half the budget. So now we know it can't be good. And everyone (laughs) understands there is no way to deliver on the promise of what King Kong
2: did. Why not bring back Faye Ray if she was the star? She certainly, with her scream, was the most memorable part of this. Let me tell you, bringing back Captain Englehorn does not excite me. <laughs> oh, believe me, they went to her. And again, she made 11 movies in
3: 1933, and Son of Kong ain't one of them. I don't think that she saw her career in the same way that we do. Everyone calls her the original Scream Queen. She married a romantic comedy writer, the guy that wrote It Happened One Night. She wanted to make movies like that, and she did make movies like that. They just weren't the same kind of hits. But the movies she calls her best films do not involve her screaming, and she didn't want to do that anymore. And by the way, with half the budget, it means everyone that you're seeing here worked for less money than they did the last film. She wasn't going to do that at all. And I don't blame her. Even Bruce Cabot had standards. (laughs) He was like, I could dump her and find a new honey, right? But no, he's like, I'm not coming back for this either. And so, yeah, you can find another beauty, I suppose. You know, that is a very stereotypical notion that it isn't the stars that make a special effects film as long as we get an ape back. But that's another problem. Kong is dead. Kong isn't didn't just fall down and get a boo-boo. Kong is Not getting up. And everyone, thank God, agreed behind the scenes. They could not have him cough, sit up, and be in (laughs) captivity again.
2: And I honestly thought that was the case. Because I know it was called Son of Kong. But in my head, I was thinking Godzilla, Godzuki. I was thinking Kong and Son. Not Son of Kong. I was very surprised that we do not get the big guy back. Because, fey ray Fei Shmei, King Kong's your star.
3: Yeah, and anyone would want that. You're right. Yeah, it's not about Fay Ray or any other person, denim or anybody. The attraction was the eighth wonder of the world was the goddamn 18-foot tall ape. And if he's dead, you know what? I respect RKO Pictures that they didn't change the ending and hurt King Kong by saying, oh, he's not dead. Flash forward for Dino De Laurentiis, (laughs) not as generous when we get to King
2: Kong Lives Yeah, he gets a heart transplant.
1: What? We're not just doing reboot after reboot after reboot? I kind of assumed that's how this one would go.
2: The movie's called King Kong
1: Lives. I'm assuming King Kong
3: Live. (laughs) Yeah, they literally build an artificial heart for him to survive after he's shot off the Empire State Building.
2: And Son of Kong, that was, to me, such a trope of old movies. You know, you had Son of the Fly and Son of the Blob. I mean, there's just Son of, Son of, Son of. Was this the first Son of that they're all ripping off? Well, you know what?
3: There weren't the level of sequels back then. I mean, movies were new. It's worth pointing out. <laughs> there were serials. You know, there were continuing characters like Flash Gordon that would pop up every week, but there weren't like a whole lot of franchise characters. And so Bride of Frankenstein would have happened around this same time. So it's among the first And it was a way to think about continuing the story if your main character is not alive. Everyone agreed that Kong had to have some kind of child. And so the screenwriters rushed off to put something together to try and come up with a story. Incidentally, they're getting the same wife of the director. You know, now Cooper's not directing. It's just the other guy behind the camera. His wife, who worked on the script, is now writing this script. Her comment is, if you can't make it bigger... You better make it funnier.
1: Ah, okay. And so
3: she came at it with the approach of, I'm going to make a romantic comedy, and I'm going to make it more lighthearted, fun, silly, and family friendly.
1: That is the big change in tone that I noticed with this one. Okay, now I know where that's coming from.
2: So how much time passed for her between working on King Kong and working on Son of Kong? You said eight months difference in release. Yeah, let me break this down for
3: you. February, RKO Pictures sells Nick Guy leaves. March, Kong opens. And they're already working on ideas. They start shooting when Kong goes massive around the country in April. They're shooting. They're rolling on it. So she had a couple weeks to come up with this. <laughs> and some have accused her of plagiarism. I'm I ain't hating. I ain't seen the movie. I ain't gonna see the movie. But there is a 1927 film called The Enchanted Island about a father and daughter that gets stranded on a tropical island. Three other outsiders get shipwrecked. One of them kills her father. The other falls in love with her. And then they have to escape when the volcano erupts and the whole island falls to pieces. You can see
1: elements of that. Yeah, I can see that. Also, plagiarize a better movie. (laughs) There there (laughs) had to be a better one than that.
3: (laughs) Not only that, but they're going back to, of course, they're going back to the same figures. They do not have time to recast new metal skeletons. They're lucky that Willis O'Brien had been working on a big dinosaur epic and had 40 different models. models lying around, they could just be like, okay, we'll just take the brontosaurus and make it a sea serpent. And we'll just literally (laughs) take the Kong skeleton, put white fur on it and make his head a little bit more round. The basic shape and scope of Kong is more or less the same, except he's uh, albino and has a more chubby face. And he's a little shorter. Yeah, that's what they say. I mean, the model is not, but I do believe that the way they scale him.
1: Yeah. It looks like it's the same size. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Call him Behind the scenes, they took the first syllables of both words and just called him Kiko. This was Kiko to differentiate him from King Kong. And so, yeah, they got a K-Bear, a dragon, a sea serpent, whatever they had lying around, and literally just had to go in production, shooting the stop motion at the same time that the live action stuff was being done. And so Cooper was usually more focused on behind the scenes with O'Brien, and Shodasak was the one directing the actors. And they shot from April until about October. Then, yeah, things just kind of tragic. To add to all of the problems that are going on here, Cooper is so stressed he actually has a heart attack while they are filming and is not medically doing well to be able to supervise. And the special effects controller, Willis O'Brien's wife, goes insane, shoots their two sons and herself dead, and he's got to bury them while finishing these effects. So before we take bats out and hurt this movie too much, i just like to put it out there. These are people trying to do the best that they could in impossible circumstances. You just don't make that movie, right? I mean, and that the... The generous thing would be to unplug and give everyone time to grieve and come back and make a terrific, expensive Kong 2 three years later. Because Kong is still playing. The crazy thing is Kong is still playing in December when this comes out. You don't need a new movie. It ends up making okay profits. I mean, it costs so little. It didn't take much for it. Again, it had half the budget of the last one, but it didn't play long. Kong played for decades, and in fact, never left us.
1: Kiku, I didn't know about him. I didn't know about no Kiku till I saw the schedule. <laughs>
3: he is a hidden member of the family tree. You just wouldn't know
1: that this
2: happened so quickly and so clumsily. But I guess in order to let people know, Arnie, why don't you give them the plot? We pick up shortly after King Kong terrorized New York, and it seems everyone is blaming movie director Carl Denham, again played by Robert Armstrong. To escape prosecution, he buddies up with Captain Inglehorn, captain of the ship that brought Kong to the United States. Inglehorn, again played by Frank Riker, also wants to blow town before he gets sued or arrested, and Denham signs up as a crewman and they head to the port in Decang. There, Denham runs into Skipper Hellstrom, the man who originally gave Denham the map to Kong's Island. Hellstrom drops that there was more than a big ape on the island, there was also treasure. So Denim and Inglehorn team up with Hellstrom to return to the island and find that treasure. But there's a stowaway on the boat, singer Hilda Peterson, played by Helen Mack. Hellstrom killed Hilda's father, and so she was looking to leave De Kang on the same boat as the man who committed the murder. As they approach the island, Hellstrom stages a mutiny, hoping to cut the others out of the treasure, but the crew doesn't want to answer to Hellstrom either, so Hellstrom, Inglehorn, Denham, Hilda, and Charlie the Cook take a rowboat to the island. The natives try to attack them, so they go to a different shore, where giant beasts dwell. Denham goes to explore, and Hilda tags along, enamored with the former film director. They discover a giant white ape drowning in quicksand. Thinking this is the son of Kong, Denim helps the ape escape and makes a lifelong friend. Kitty Kong saves Denim and Hilda from a giant bear and a lizard beast. Meanwhile, Hellstrom tries to escape the island alone and is killed by a sea beast. Denim also discovers the treasure, and Hilda, Captain Engelhorn, and the cook return to the rowboat... When an earthquake hits and the whole island sinks into the ocean, Little Kong got his foot caught and drowns with his home. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> but his last act is to hold denim up above the water so he can be rescued by Engelhorn and the others. The four row out and are found by a larger ship that will take them home, and Hilda says she'll give up her share of the treasure to Mary Dunham as credits roll. I do like the fact, for all the complaints we could have
3: about what we're not getting and what has been removed from the film last time, the fact that they get Dunham back for me now as an adult, feels essential because I did feel like it was his movie. And I would be interested to see if he had any feeling of remorse about the fact that all of New York was damaged by his ambitions.
2: Yeah, again, I thought he should have died last movie as, you know, just the rules of committing sins in film. You kill a whole bunch of people, you're going to be one of the people who dies. I again thought Kong was the main character, but if you're going to have a Kongless sequel, I'm glad you brought him back.
1: Yeah, this does very much feel like a direct sequel. Like, we'll see him in financial ruin, being sued by everyone. And it's kind of funny when he's, like, hiding from creditors and from people trying to subpoena him and all that. I wish, you know, it just had a bit more of that rat-a-tat, rapid-fire kind of humor that you associate with these kind of screwball 1930 comedies. It, It never quite achieves that, but I could see them trying.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the writer probably was good, but when you only have weeks... To come up with the whole thing and do it, I mean, I feel like a lot of this might have even been improvised on the set, that people were changing. And for what it's worth, Robert Armstrong, the actor that plays Carl Denham, prefers this movie. Why? Because no one ever asked him to be a romantic lead. And he really is now going to be playing the part that Driscoll had. He's going to be the one that gets beauty. He's going to be the one to have the adventure and to atone, really. He, he will see that the reconnection and saving of Son of Kong, temporarily, I'll add. He's not <laughs> alive by the end of the picture. But that he makes up in his mind for what he did to Father Kong with his relationship with Son of Kong.
1: And I'll just say that there's no stop- motion ape that's going to steal this movie from him <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get to the son of kong but denim this actor is for sure the star of this film
3: and i'm cool with it the clumsy way that they put it all together that creditors are driving him out and that the captain feels like we can all just go haul freight in the east indies i'm fine with it let's go with that as a plot i got no real beef with it
2: i can't imagine the biggest director in hollywood of the best films turning crewmen on a ship But hey, any port in a storm, quite literally, he needs to get out because this Inspector Clouseau-like process server is there to not only give him a subpoena, but say you're about to be indicted.
3: Yes, he says that they're going to go haul freight. But yeah, this is a guy that does what they call one finger work. He points at other people and they do the five finger work. They do the heavy lifting. He'll be in these white sailor suits and just kind of overseeing everything.
1: Yeah, there's a reason we're going to get a mutiny later on.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he's not really doing anything other than, yeah, living a life at sea. And so they jump ahead, I believe they say it's been six months, more time than actual time has passed between King Kong and them shooting the scene. It's been six months since Kong went down, and out here in the southeast, nobody really knows who this guy is, but they are having trouble finding business. That They wind up at a Dutch colony, 1,753 miles from Kong Island.
2: Can I just say they are way too damn far from Kong Island for way too damn long. I really wondered if Son of Kong was actually going to have monsters (laughs) in it. They spend a lot of time on the boat and getting to this port and... They just stay there. I'm like, what movie am I watching? Am I watching *Son of Kong* or are they remaking *Casablanca* into *Kang*? If I were a child wanting to see more of Kong
3: battles, would be furious and probably turn this thing off 12 minutes in. It just would not hold any child's interest. But as someone that has real affection for screwball comedies of the 1930s, this feels like a Bob Hope, Bing Crosby road movie. There's a whole series of films of two guys going around in exotic ports, having romances and dealing with shady people. I I could be fine with a movie that was entirely this. In fact, I will pose. If you were under these constraints and knew you could not deliver the beast that you had, would it not be wiser to go somewhere else and have a different battle altogether? Would it not be smarter to make a more human story?
1: Yes, getting all this human, I guess we could call it drama, all this human stuff on this island and this monkey show and this ukulele singer, all all this stuff. Yes, if this was engaging, that would work. But I'm siding with Arnie. This stuff drags. I guess I didn't realize it took 45 minutes to get to Kong in the original because I was just so intrigued by the mystery of the island and here i'm feeling the time like we got to get to this ape way quicker if this is the drama they the best they've come up with
2: yeah and i'm not a huge fan of screwball comedies of the time but i have seen some there was a film series here in town i saw this screwball comedy called my favorite wife from 1940 so it's a little bit more modern than this but i'll say it's of the same era same generation. It happened one night. You guys saw that film. That's yeah. that's really the one. Like if you
3: see one screwball comedy from the 30s, that's the one that's going to tell you what the genre is.
2: Exactly. That's why I brought up my favorite wife. I'm not going to bring up the one everybody's seen. I want to bring up one that's far lesser seen so I can say I even enjoyed that one and got into it. I would never seek out a screwball comedy for the 30s, but when I've seen them, I haven't found them unenjoyable. I don't find this enjoyable. It's not on the same level as
3: bringing a baby per se, which is another one that I love. But I like this. I guess I'll just stand slightly embarrassed saying that when we go to Peterson's famous international show and we have this woman warbling off key to a ukulele and monkeys are playing the violin and doing a fan dance in a belly dancer outfit, I am surprised at how entertained I am by this. The entertainment is the fact that these guys are watching a really crappy
2: circus, but there's a charm in this there's something meta about watching a shitty show about people watching a shitty show
3: yeah there is <laughs> it's almost like the screenwriter acknowledging like yeah we have to go forward on this and we don't have Faye ray this woman cannot be singing what fey ray was to screaming and so we'll just play it off
2: for a laugh and we didn't talk in the last movie about the little monkey that was on the boat iggy but i feel like apparently they must have a real monkey in every one of these films to compare and contrast against our claymation giant ape
3: yeah, just to put it out there, I lived on a boat for a short period of time, and monkeys and other wildlife get on all the time. You don't normally want them there, but I understood that Iggy was mostly like a creature that had gotten on board that they just tied to the mast. He wasn't their pet. Here, they're the star attraction. They are the house band to this circus. They also have some, quote, sagacious seals that we don't see what they're doing.
1: We're never going to see the SEAL show. That, <laughs> that is the big problem with this movie. I've been to SeaWorld, and I,
3: I don't think I need <laughs> to see any more sagacious sea life. But I'm laughing. That's all that I can say to this. It's a poor defense, but I am laughing. I don't mind.
1: Like laughing because it's so silly? Yes. Laughing because you find it actually humorous? Yes,
2: yeah, lo- all
3: of the above. I kind of liked seeing Denim falling in love. He didn't seem like a human being last time. He seemed like someone cruel who would hurt women to get his movie made. And now that he's going to see a woman that's largely talentless, I feel like this <laughs> La Belle <laughs> Helene, I think her name is actually Hilda in the credits but we can call her interchangeably hilda or helene the female figure here is not someone that you would normally feature as being a ravishing beauty a seductress someone that you would think an adventurer like him would go for there's something kind of awkward in Shelley shelly about her
2: and yet i felt like he was so desperate last movie when he needed a woman to be in the film that night this one would have done too Yeah, but he needed her
3: for a contract with the audience that he didn't really like paying for. And here, I actually feel like he's hanging around this port maybe to get to know her more, maybe to learn more about her. And we're learning more about her, too, mainly that her father is drinking with a sailor
1: that's bad news. The Norwegian the the original map came from? I didn't see that coming.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't either. But yet, as soon as they said it... It makes so
3: much sense. I kind of love it. Again, I think it's helpful. I mean, what they're doing is more like TV writing today, when like we just came off of this movie, I just got finished, I maybe took two months off, and now I'm back working over the same characters and scenario and having new constraints. It is almost like they've turned what they did last time into a parody,
2: and that's kind of fun for me. It's sad for me, seeing a once-great performer try to put on the lipstick again and get on stage and not have it again. To me, this is sad. This is like seeing animals in a zoo that you can tell that they wish that they could get outside of their cage
1: sad. Yeah, I guess it's sad for me in the sense that this is the best you got. We're going to spend 40 minutes on this island watching a monkey show and this woman try to sing. It's just not very entertaining. And that's my problem. If I was going with this screwball comedy, if I was just engaged with his denim, will he or won't he get with Hilda? Then I could find entertainment here. I don't think it's well written. Maybe that's not the writer's fault because it was sped into production. Regardless what we get here on the screen, it drags for me.
2: And what's funny to me is it's almost the exact same timing in my mind. 40 minutes when they get to the island and start getting to the monsters. I mean, they got to the island sooner last time, but not the monsters. But because this is such a shorter movie and we spend so much of the movie not on the island, it does feel like they just couldn't make a Kong movie. This doesn't feel like a Kong movie. And again, I'm feeling by liking what I'm being presented
3: and realizing where they have to go that it would have been nice if like okay so the same Norwegian that knew about this one island where there was a big ape maybe he knows about another island where there's a different kind of adventure you can film in a few months and don't have to pressure the stop-motion animators that are bearing the wife and children I mean I just (laughs) feel like let's have this guy have a new island and let's not do son of Kong let's not make a Kong movie let's make a denim movie I know that's not the same box office I understand Understand what they had to do I'm just
2: saying for me personally I could have gone in that direction and been happy You must admit you're in the minority because I'm picturing ET2, Elliot in middle school. There's no alien. (laughs) It's just Elliot. Right. Yeah. He has another problem. I I get it. You're right. I am totally
3: in a weird minority. I can only relate to you that I expected to come into this movie hating it for being a carbon copy redo. And I'm finding actually it's got its own spunky life and personality very different from Kong.
2: And I can relate to you, if not agree with you. That's what I like about Curse of the Fly. If you go back to that podcast, my review in the book, I like that it went someplace totally different and did different things. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you're saying. I just don't see it in this. I kind of hate the fact that
3: they're dumb enough to believe that the sailor is selling them. There's buried treasure on Kong Island and we have to go back.
1: Yeah, especially the way this actor is trying to sell it. I'm like, okay, he's obviously lying. I am shocked that they're going to find a treasure later on, but he was lying. Like They're going to call out he was always lying about this. It's so obvious. My problem is just how contrived it is whether you go to Skull Island or another island where there's another King Kong however you want to play it. This is just so contrived. The only reason they going to this island to look for treasures because Halstrom had to make up a reason to get Denham and Engelhorn to set sail because he accidentally murdered Hilda's dad.
3: Yeah, which the scene is actually, I mean, it's a little clumsy. It's definitely melodramatic in the way that many bad 30s movies are. But watching that tent burn and and all of that, they spend no time on the grief this woman must feel about watching her father die of smoke exhaust. But I could buy this premise if they were going anywhere else but Kong Island.
2: I didn't miss it, right? She's not on that boat because she was following the murderer. She said she's on that boat because she wants to leave the port, but yet she's also been threatening the murderer that she's going to go to the authorities. I look at it this way, and I look at it through the lens of comedy.
3: She was in a circus that was failing badly. The man that was running that circus is no longer alive. And will she really keep going and putting herself through that alone? Or will she go off and do other things? And yeah, she's looking for a replacement father figure. She's got some attraction to Denim. He's got some attraction to her. Why not hitch a ride on his boat? I think she's seeing herself as attaching herself to him. It's completely coincidental. She has no idea that they've been talking to that Norwegian that didn't literally kill her father but got into a drunken fight with him late at night, spilled a lantern that burned the tent, and so indirectly is as responsible as Denim is for Kong dying in New York.
1: Well, I was just expecting more out of Hilda. Like, we talked about how Fay Ray played Anne, and it was a whole lot of screaming because that's what she did. I actually thought we were going to get a more interesting female lead in this film, maybe not a better actor, but I like that little scene where she confronts Hellstrom and kind of tricks him, saying, oh, I know what really happened between you and my dad. Uh, he told me, even though there wasn't really a conversation, I thought, oh, okay, we're going to have a more active female lead. No, she ends up being mostly of love interest and not doing much in this film. But there was a glimmer of hope from that scene that I liked.
3: Something that I read about, but I didn't get curious to see if you guys did. There was already tension on the boat. A lot of the people that were working the crew were not having a good time working under denim.
1: Yeah, they dropped some lines about that.
3: Yeah, the bosun is named Red. I don't know if they didn't film enough of it or maybe you just had to be in the culture to presume it. He is a Marxist communist that causes the mutiny because it's a political mutiny.
2: I did get that line where they're like, what are we in Russia? These are the People's Workers Union. I thought it was a very funny
1: line. The fact that his name is Red and he's going to call him bourgeois. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a jab at the Soviets, isn't it? We, we got to make fun of those russkis I think that's
3: interesting culturally. I, I Anytime this movie... can tether to things that are going on not in america you know we in america tend to get an american education i like hearing about what other people were doing in 1933
1: i don't think this is supposed to be a sympathetic view though of a worker strike and people working for their own rights no it's a comedy because this norwegian
3: thinks he's going to get a boat he's conspiring to kick these people off their own boat and ha 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 i now have your ship and it backfires on him. And if you had played it a little bit more funny, I feel that way in all of the earlier scenes. If you had just gone for the comedy a little bit more, it would be so much more enjoyable. I mean, I think the audience wouldn't be missing or resenting the fact that we're not on an island with big prehistoric monsters.
1: I agree because I didn't realize this was a comedy until we get to Son of Kong and I see how they're going to animate him (laughs) and, and make him act. And I'm like, Oh, we're in a slapstick all of a sudden. Like, yes, I wish this stuff was funnier. I wish I was more engaged because I'm mostly just bored. I'm, I'm just waiting to get to the giant ape.
3: I'm the opposite. I'm with the movie until the moment we see, I will call him Kiku. Kiku is <laughs> drowning in quicksand. And
1: I'm just like, uh-oh.
2: This movie is drowning in quicksand. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that stuff is good either, but it's what I was looking forward to in a Kong film.
3: Sure. And of course, you're every right to want that. Everyone is wanting to see great big beast battles. Why wouldn't you expect them to be able to deliver that? They did have that ambition. Again, these things were scripted. They thought it could get done. And then for lots of reasons, they found that the special effect wasn't going to work. The shot didn't work. And Is
1: that why when they run into a cave and there's, I don't think it's a triceratops, but it's a dinosaur kind of like that. It's got more spikes on its head. It's a styrosaurus. It kind of just walks up to him and then leaves. I was like, okay, here's our first big fight between Son of Kong and a dinosaur. But no, that dinosaur just kind of walks away. I'm like, I guess they didn't have the money for that.
3: Half of that shot was from the film Creation, the movie Archeo Pictures <laughs> was making and then put in Turnabout to make Kong. Okay, so that's why it goes nowhere. <laughs> they literally just took old footage they had used and said, let's have Charlie Inglehorn, and Hellstrom run from the creature we've already animated. That's where they're at. They had other ideas. It wasn't like they didn't know they were trapped by the constraints of having to deliver a Christmas Kong.
2: And when they get to the island... We get our brief glimpse of the natives again. I mean, they're still there. Oh,
1: that's right. They do come back. Yeah.
2: They were expected to be a bigger part, but they couldn't reconstruct the
3: village. They wanted to have them rebuilding it, and they were going to play a role, and the gate and all of that was going to come back, and they just didn't have those props and stuff to do.
2: But they had
1: people. I mean, they are like, you're the reason that... Wow. you took our ape? And their village was destroyed. Their loved ones were eaten by Kong during that rampage. It's silly me.
3: I know I'm thinking way too much about this, but I would have really loved if we could have understood Kong's role on the island. You know, if he was the king, he kept order, right? Things ran in a certain way. There was an efficiency to the circle of life because at the top of the food chain, there was this big ape. And when you take him away What happens to all the flora and fauna and all of that? That's what I kind of wanted to see.
1: Not only that, Stuart, but this is called the son of Kong. So there should be more Kongs around. Like there should be the baby (laughs) mama of Kong. Yeah. Where's
2: Lady Kong? (laughs) well remember the women that got strung up but this is a white Kong (laughs) yeah I don't think we're expected
3: to think that Kong ever mated with a human woman I have to believe that he had a lady ape somewhere maybe to be teased you would think that they would build it and put it in this movie I've never heard that it was ever in a script or that they ever worked on a model but you would think that with Bride of Frankenstein being a hit movie seeing the Bride of Kong would have been something they'd want to have made or at least talked about I mean one character says is it? Where's Mama? It's a one throwaway dialogue, and that's the last anyone will have any answers to why we have Little Kong.
1: Yeah, and if we do have Little Kong, if this is the son of Kong, shouldn't this be about him rising up as king, building off what you were saying, Stuart? Show what this island is like now that it's lost its king, and here's the person that's got to restore order. Or we could just
3: laugh and giggle and say, isn't that cute that a white 12-foot high ape? You know what he really reminded me of, and part of it's the stop motion and part of it's the season we're in, but I think about Rudolph and that that Yeti monster. The abominable snowman. Yeah, with the like the eyes that swirl around. Like I just felt like, oh, I want to be a dentist. You're just not a good
2: ape, are you? He is on the island of misfit rod puppets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they are going full comedy here. Like literally there's a slide whistle at one point, but <laughs> Damn, if I don't love when Little Kong's got to fight that giant bear, Mm -hmm. I'm like, why isn't this more of the movie? Like, I am loving this. Even though it's more comedic and like this Kiko, as you're calling him, isn't that great of a fighter? Like, I'm just loving, yeah, this more humorous fighting style. I could have gone with it if this was more of the movie.
3: Yeah, Denim, at first he's like, he can scrap just like his old man. And then like two minutes later, he's like, you're not a patch on your old man. Man. (laughs) I'm actually going to reverse my opinion. But that is okay. It is okay that he is not a ferocious beast that scares everybody. If he is a cuddly, goofy character that no one respects, and he has to earn respect with the help of Denim, that feels like the comedy redemption
2: story that they could make. And they only halfway get to. I'm just left wondering... What if they hadn't gotten to the island right at that moment to save him from the quicksand? (laughs) It would be a
1: totally different movie. Yeah, or what if the natives didn't kick them off? I mean, the reason they found Kong is because they couldn't land where the village was. The natives didn't want him there. They had to go to another place. So, yes, a lot of contrivances to get to this point.
2: The fact that they split up, the fact that Denim is like, I'm going to go look around, and I'm thinking, why would you do that? You're in this unknown place that you know has giant monsters. No, you're going to leave like your Captain Kirk or something. But then Hilda's going to tag along. You said stay close to you.
3: I feel like we get an answer to every question you guys are asking. The screenwriter puts it right in there. Kiku climbs out of that quicksand. The lady tears off her dress and puts a bandage. And it's wrapped around his middle finger. F you. (laughs) I don't have nothing to say. Eat it. That is what this ape is telling us. I'm not going to give you none of it. None of it. And so what we have is some very sloppy scenes of denim falling in love with this girl by the campfire while this thing is photobombing and spying (laughs) on them. And yeah, the other guys are hiding in a crevice from the special effects of another movie that was abandoned. And eventually they're going to figure out that there's a temple on the mountain that has an amulet sort of somehow that can be considered the treasure.
2: Enough to pay off all the lawsuits for New York, though? I mean...
1: No, you're going to go back to that island that they were on and just buy everything. DeKang? Yes. <laughs> Why
3: not stay here? I guess maybe... It was possible Denham could find his place on this island. Like maybe he would live with the villagers and rebuild. And I mean, I guess I see a more utopian, if this movie is going to be lighter in comedy, I kind of want to laugh and have a good time at the end. We don't need to go to the same tragic fall for Kong,
2: right? He can live. He can participate in the rebuilding. That would have been a way to go. That would have been more interesting. I think there's a lot of things that would have been more interesting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I understand the thought of sequels, especially before the days of video, is give the audience the same beats. Television, Arnie. Not before video, before
3: television. Yes. And you're right. It is what you do. When you don't know what else to do, you hit the notes you already did that you know elicited the reactions you want to get. So... All of a sudden, for reasons, we have a climax where a sea serpent is coming out and the whole place is falling.
2: Yeah, there was an earthquake that shook the camera. And again, it's like, you guys arrived at just the wrong moment. Although, thank God you arrived when you did. Imagine if you'd rode there one day later. The whole island is just gone.
3: But we're kind of here at the climax. And it's like, not only has it not been satisfying in the same way... But they will not go back to New York. There will
1: not be a third act to the story. (laughs) This is the end of the film. I don't feel like I know Kiko enough. Like he's kind of just a goofy, clumsy, giant gorilla. But I don't have any feelings for him like I did with King Kong, where I saw that more as a tragedy here. Just here's this goofy animal and he's going to die with all the rest of the animals on this sinking island. I
2: feel that they let the human story go too. We focus so much on Denim and Hilda with son of kong i mean that's finally we're at the main attraction here you've been waiting for the titular son of kong you get him but there's three other humans on the island (laughs) including the cook but i lose track of all of that and when hilda takes the amulet and goes to them and when hellstrom gets eaten by the sea monster i'm very confused because you guys gave me a whole load of shit for complaining about stop motion last time, but I praised what the film did last time. You got to admit, this stop motion is not succeeding in telling the story. No, oh, no, it feels like people giving up. What I feel like I'm watching happen is, hey,
3: we reach 70 minutes, we can release this. And if we have to have the movie out by Christmas... Here it is. It's it's almost like the Christmas special that comes when you have a hit movie like Star Wars. Yeah, I was thinking Star Wars. <laughs> you know, like, it's just the cheap knockoff that has really nothing to do with the cultural phenomenon you love, but just cashes in at holiday time. It works in that way. They delivered something that people could pay money to and say, yeah, that was... Son of Kong.
2: Hey, I'll give the movie this. Better than the Star Wars holiday special (laughs) with all the cooking segments and the Wookiee porn. Now, I may enjoy watching the Brown Arrow holiday special more, but as far as actual film and story, this is better. Yeah,
3: but you're right. As far as losing touch with it, that's where you really feel like they still could have done it. They could have still made the human story. It wasn't about the production problems and all the constraints. They could have had Denim's romance mean something. They could have had the Norwegian villain do something that earns a better death that we savor. You could have had the villagers working with Kiku to rebuild and, and you just, you want to put a bow on all of these people and where they're at. And instead everything literally just falls
2: apart And Kiku, conveniently, as with everything with his ending, his foot is stuck in a crevice after the earthquake. And so he goes down, but he holds up denim.
1: Yeah, why does he got to hold up Denim? Does he not know how to swim? Is there going to be like a vortex that pulls Denim down too as this island sinks? I don't even know why he's got to hold him up till the boat gets there.
3: Obviously they want to emulate the tragic ending of Kong and still leave Denim to make more sequels if the board says next Christmas or Easter or even (laughs) Valentine's Day. Can you knock out something in another month? Nephew of Kong. (laughs) He better be able to have floaties or know how to swim. That's all I can say. There's no island left for him to live one
2: i just take this as a metaphor for the film it sunk it sunk fast and it sunk the kong beast with it
3: yeah and i again i almost feel like the screenwriter tongue-in-cheek kind of knew that and just kind of just said all right if this is what you want middle finger here's what you get
2: well what did we get jacob stewart did you get the middle
1: finger from son of kong jacob Did I complain about this movie? Yes, a lot. There are problems with it. But I don't want it to come off harsher than it may have. Because, yeah, I did see a little bit of a charm in this one. Having this goofy Kiko and more of a slapstick, it could have worked. I saw a film here that could have worked. But ultimately it took too long to get to the monster. And kind of as a side homework project, I've been watching some of the old Godzilla movies, so when these two finally get around to fighting, you know, just to have some insight from the other side as well. And, you know, when you're making a giant monster movie, you want to see the giant monster smash stuff. Like, I think that's what it ultimately comes down to, whether a Godzilla or a King Kong film is good or bad, is what does that monster get to destroy? And unfortunately here, Son of Kong doesn't get to do a whole lot. He he hasn't an awesome fight with a giant bear that i i fully endorse but other than that he's kind of clumsy he gets his foot stuck and drowns and it takes in my opinion way too long to get to the main attraction of this film so yes there are problems here you might find this humorous because i definitely did see a comedy that was almost working but ultimately i can't recommend this one Stuart. yeah
3: scrappy doo jar jar <laughs> You know, franchises are just littered with these kinds of badly conceived follow-ups where it was never going to be as good. This son was not set up to be as good in any way. He had no support. And so the surprise is, the pleasantry is, it's not as bad as I expected. I expected to hate it. I expected it to be rushed stop-motion effects and to be pretty lame. And it is. And it's a not recommend <laughs> for that reason. It's a bad movie. But, you know, I praise Kong, the original, not not only for its technical sophistication of the time, but also I thought that it had interesting subtext and ideas And here, it might not be that ambitious, but I feel like there is some fun screwball comedy. I still like Denim. I like to see him in the new romantic shades they're painting him in. And hey, it's only an hour. It does feel just kind of like a bonus feature on the Kong DVD. Like, you could just see it as like, oh, this is some deleted scene that they didn't use. Thank God. But it does exist, so we
2: have to recommend it. And I'm not going to. And I'm with you, Jacob. I don't want it to come off like this is an atrocity. I actually find Kiku to be a cute little white monkey. I kind of like how stupid it is that they have the line, An animal knows when you're trying to help it, and it won't attack you. Yet, tell that to any wild animal that is hurt. In fact, the worst thing you could do is try to approach a wounded dog you don't know. That is so not a good idea. But they do it, and I have some fun with this movie. In the end... The problem is not enough Kong and shoddy, shoddy storytelling. Whether they didn't have the footage, or whether it was poor editing, or whether nobody gave a shit about the end of this film. It tried to replay the beats of the last one and did so, so poorly. It's definitely a not recommend for Son of Kong. And is that why we don't have Grandson of Kong? Did this movie sync with the island? I uh, had lots of plans for lots of sequels, but
3: yeah, I think we're all saying the same thing. This is not the worst example of nepotism. At the very least, Tori Spelling is less deserving of <laughs> fame than Kiku, you know? I mean, they did what they had to do. The third movie was planned. They were going to take a couple years to do it, and they were going to get, god damn it, the real King Kong. It was called The New Adventures of King Kong, not his son Aunt, lady friend, booty call. It's <laughs> King Kong, and we're not bringing him back from the dead. So what does that leave you with? An interquel. You already commented, Arnie. Last week, he goes from being knocked out on the beach to being on a Broadway stage. They were going to show how they put him on the raft and dragged him on the venture, and then got caught up in a typhoon, washed ashore on a new tropical island where there was an even bigger, scarier monster, and the crew had to release Kong to fight that monster, then recapture him to take him to New York.
2: You think that's something that Denham would have told the press?
3: <laughs> yeah, it would have been a part of the story. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, I understand all the impulses, and the biggest thing facing them was Fay Ray said no. And how do you tell that story without the one beauty on the boat coming back? I mean, that would be very awkward. I suppose you could recast or maybe throw enough money at her that she would reconsider. But Archeo board itself thought after the less than stellar box office of Son of Kong. Hey, let's not do this. They had other hits by this point. They were moving on. And so it just didn't get made. And it is a surprise when you think about the fact that the next Kong movie is 1962. That they went from 1933 to 1962 without making a sequel. They had plans. They were going to partner in with Tarzan. They were going to partner him with Abbott and Costello. Frankenstein and King Kong were going to partner up. They were even going to remake it. Because Cooper went into other things after he left RKO Pictures, he invented color film, he started Technicolor, and then he went to Cinemascope. He invented the large screen format. They were going to make a color Cinemascope remake of King Kong in the early 50s. And instead, they decided to make what sometimes gets confused as a King Kong movie, but is different, Mighty Joe Young.
1: Yeah, I definitely thought that was a spinoff. I brought that up when we were planning the series. I thought that was the Son of Kong. No, it's it's O'Brien's Oscar.
3: The stop-motion animator does pretty much the Kong moves, and they find a nice hybrid between King Kong and Son of Kong. I watched it, and it is about a girl that rescues a baby gorilla, and for some reason it grows up to be 20 feet tall, and she eventually agrees to come to Los Angeles to have her gorilla perform in a nightclub, and when some guys come to the gorilla cage and get it drunk on their booze, It causes a big wreck, and everyone wants to kill Mighty Joe Young, and she has to smuggle him back to Africa. It feels like E.T. You know, it feels like a story that I can remember from my childhood liking. The ape is very cute. The effects have gotten a little better. It is Ray Harryhausen's first movie. He was working under O'Brien, and so that's where he started learning stop-motion techniques. I think it works probably a lot better than Son of Kong if you were looking for a follow-up to King Kong 1933.
2: But the next one's Kong versus Godzilla? Yes. What happened also it's worth pointing out the
3: 50s suddenly we had all these movies about nuclear fallout, right? All of the creatures were big. We don't need just a gorilla. How about some ants? How about the 50-foot woman? The beast from 20,000 fathoms and of course Godzilla. Gia monster is my
2: favorite by the way. <laughs>
3: But yeah, Godzilla kind of took the spotlight in 1954. And yeah, they eventually throw down eight years later in the movie we're going to talk about next year. We're going to cover some other stuff in the weeks ahead. But I'm looking forward to going back to the childhood King Kong movie I really love.
2: And meanwhile, this Friday, if you donated for the Al Pacino series year and a half ago, you're getting a free bonus episode. We have always grandfathered in previous donors when new movies come out, and we were always intending to lead up to The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Took a little longer than we thought.
1: Yes. A lot of digital erasing of wrinkles.
3: I'm hearing good things. It streams on Netflix, so you don't even have to leave your home to see it, and we'll be covering that movie for everyone that already donated for Al Pacino Gangsters.
2: You get it, but you can also pick it up And I highly recommend Cruising. It just got a double Blu-ray disc release. Listen to that one, too, if you're heading to Podbean. Yeah, but Pacino has a lot of good work, and
3: I hear he's good in this one as well. Uh, But on this feed, the main feed, for the next couple weeks, we got some other movies, eh, maybe aren't quite as big as Son of Kong, like the Black Christmas remake and something about Skywalker's rising. (laughs)
2: Misery, uh, Stephen King, some little unknown horror writer. You can see our full schedule at nowplayingpodcast.com. So thanks for listening to Now Playing, the eighth wonder of the world.
0: had enough of what we call civilization. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. It's no use. The show, it's over. It's done. I'm done. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Holy mackerel, what a show. If you enjoyed this show, please tell others. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. What will get out it always does. Want to hear more reviews like this one? You can find hundreds of other movie reviews at our website nowplayingpodcast.com Switch it on like this and you'll get them by matching. In our archives section are over 800 reviews. Listen to our hosts discuss horror, sci-fi, comedy, action, drama, and more. Plus, you can hear reviews of every movie based on Marvel or DC Comics. Wait, do those
1: candy asses
0: in New York hear about this one? A new, totally free movie review podcast is posted every Tuesday, so come back each week for another new show. This island is just the beginning.
1: There's more out there.
0: What do you mean, more? This world never belonged to us. It belonged to them. The question is how long before they take it back. Kong is not the only king. Now Playing relies on listener support to keep operating. You suppose he knew he was saving my life? You suppose he knew he
1: was helping us? Of course not. You want me to believe he was grateful?
0: You can support Now Playing by joining our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. Backers can get early access to reviews, unedited reviews, exclusive shows not available anywhere else, and more. Details are at NowPlayingPatron.com.
2: I am a realist, and I need you, so I am going to be generous. I will let you go without a bit of trouble and with lots of cash.
0: At our Podbean site, you can also support the show by listening to any of our donation shows. Series like Planet of the Apes, Jurassic Park, Phantasm, Jaws, and others are available for a small, one-time contribution.
1: I'll give you another thousand to leave right now. You haven't given me the first thousand yet.
0: You can also donate to us directly on PayPal. Details can be found by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Might as well
3: settle up. You gonna pay me? I'm not gonna stiff
0: a friend. Want 375 more Now Playing reviews? Get the Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend, Arnie, Stewart, Jacob, and Marjorie reviewed 125 different movies, each getting three recommends or not recommends.
1: There was still some mystery left in this world, and we could all have a piece of it for the price of an admission ticket.
0: The ebook is available now, and the print book will be shipping soon. Find details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. Well, it better be good after all this ballyhoo. You can also follow Now Playing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, the hosts post new episode announcements, movie reviews, and contests, where you can win movies and soundtracks. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube for original video content. She could be hysterical, so come on, follow me. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho.
1: I'm someone you can trust. I'm a producer. Believe me, I am on the level. No funny business.
0: Associate produced by Jason Latham. Sure, no, I've been a big help. Now Playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. All right, on
1: back! Everybody on back! Everybody on back!
0: Now Playing, Credits Read by Brock. I can't tell
1: when I'm talking or when I'm not talking. You're
3: talking? Emma?
1: Yes. I'm talking? Yes. Your mouth is moving.
0: The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. If you feel it, you say it. It's
1: really very simple.
0: Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. You can't accuse me. You wasn't there. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. We must not panic. If there is one thing we cannot afford at this time, it is hysteria. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of, and may not be used without the expressed written permission of, Venganza Media Incorporated. You need to listen to us! We're
1: not at war, Colonel, you're making a mistake! Your lies got my men killed!
0: And you're gonna get us all killed! Not our fight. Whose side are you on, Captain? Now playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2019. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Why'd he do that? Climb up there and get himself cornered. The ape must have known what was coming. What does it matter? Airplanes got him.
3: It wasn't the airplanes.
1: It was Beauty Killed the Beast.
2: Here we go. I'm like, I know I've wrote
1: it. <laughs> I mean, this one's easy. I could do this off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, I, I was thinking I might have to. I was like, "Where?" I know you can do it. I knew I wrote it. Oh, hold on, sorry. Hello. Good yourself. Speaking of son of, if they're both the Venom ones, I already picked those up a few months ago.
3: No, that's not his mom. Your Venom figures have arrived. (laughs) There's no way that's his mom. Thank you. (laughs) The only Venom that woman has is for me, really. Oh, and for me. (laughs) Thank <laughs>